0: You know, that's an example, but we're all carrying ancestral trauma and the plants are incredible at moving it out of us, at rewiring us. So the reason my book is called The Jewish Girl's Guide, Ayahuasca is one, yeah, you don't usually expect a Jewish girl's guide to that. You expect a Jewish girl's guide to Madison Avenue, a Jewish girl's guide to the best law schools in America, the Jewish girl's guide to the most fabulous wedding in the world, you know, a Jewish girl's guide to, you know, feminism but not to ayahuasca.
1: Hey, I'm Susan Salzman, and this is The Power of the Pivot. I see how a lot of women's roles are shifting in their 40s and 50s, and they are all of a sudden questioning what's next. You will be hearing from women who have changed lanes after 45, and I'm confident that their stories will inspire you to jump off the ledge and do what you're always meant to do. Much of what we talk about covers both the highs and lows of building something from scratch and how getting there was both intentional and accidental. There was no one way to their destination, and I can bet money on it, that it will be the same for you. Utilizing my 35 years as a corporate girl turned CEO of my own lifestyle brand, I'm sharing all the do's and don'ts in these candid conversations with creatives, philanthropists, and badass brilliant powerhouses who have taken their passion and turned it into purpose. And showing you how women your age can build, scale, automate, and monetize your ideas and dreams, and be reminded of what it feels like to fall in love with yourself all over again. My guest today is Alana Horwich, a brave entrepreneur and culinary warrior. We met on the beach at Playa del Carmen 10 years ago while at food blog camp. Yep, I know. If you just said to yourself, that sounds like fun, it was. At the age of 20, she packed herself up and moved to Italy, and it was there that she found her passion and appreciation for food. After spending five years eating her way through the country and falling in and out of love, she returned to her home in Los Angeles and founded Meal and a Spiel, a cooking school teaching others how to cook stress-free. Her first book, also called Meal and a Spiel, was published shortly after and is a culinary masterpiece. Today, she is living on her ranch in Joshua Tree, California, where she's building an intimate retreat center with a focus on healing ancestral trauma and empowering women and men to surrender to their sole purpose. She is currently writing her second book, A Jewish Girl's Guide to Ayahuasca. More on that to come. Buckle up, because this is a good one. Let's dive in. Hey, Ilana, I'm so glad you're here. And the reason why you're here is because you're doing some pretty cool shit and I'm a bit obsessed with you. Mm-hmm. But before you pivoted to this new, interesting, and creative lane that you're currently traveling down, you were into food. And that's how we met on a quiet beach in Playa del Carmen, where we both traveled there for food blog camp. You've come a long way in the past 11 years and I cannot wait to get into it. But before we do, give us the 411 of how you went from traveling through italy to starting a food platform to writing a book to now your ayahuasca journey and your new home in the desert welcome
0: thank you thank you susan it's so nice to be here so i'm ilana horwich i am the author of meal and a spiel how to be a badass in the kitchen and that's the title of the cooking school that i've had for the last 10 years Really, at my core, though, I you know people see me as a chef. I consider myself really to be a teacher and a healer. I used to teach high school history, I've done hands on healing. My professional path has taken many routes, um, and it always comes back to teaching and healing. so I did. I lived in Italy for five years in my twenties, and that really informed me not just how to cook but why to cook, the joy of cooking. And all of my life of teaching experience really gave me the understanding of how to empower people to find that joy of cooking within them as well. And yes, it's true. Now I'm living on 11 acres in Joshua Tree, where I am building an intimate healing retreat center where plant medicines, as well as many other modalities of healing, can be experienced in a really safe and loving way. Ah, so exciting. So let's
1: get into the little Q&A so everybody can get to know you a little bit better. So again, I mentioned that we met 11 years ago and I liked you instantly. And I've always seen you as a girl who's somewhat fearless and does what she sets out to do. Thus, you're brave. And I want to know where that bravery came from. And
0: do you feel your upbringing and or your parents had anything to do with that? That is a great question and a multifaceted question. Wow. Yes. I think, first of all, I'll say that I do think I'm brave. And I think what makes me brave is that I really do often feel fear and I am willing to work with it and move towards the things that I want. That I think is probably the true definition of bravery. I think on some level, I came in with it. I think on some level, it's just my spirit has uh, some fire in there. I've always had a bit of that grit. And I absolutely do think my upbringing and my parents had something to do with it. I mean, first of all, my mom is like, you know, hardcore. (laughs) It was not a walk in the park. And she's a woman who puts her actions where her thoughts are. So I was raised to take action and to stand up for what I believe in. Though I was raised with a lot of blessings, my parents did not spoil us. You know, we were like, if you don't show up, you know, if you don't get your homework done, you're the one that's going to have to talk to the teacher. It was never like, hey, let us do everything for you. It was the opposite. So a lot of independence was garnered at a very early age. And at the same time, as much as I love my parents, and I know that they were doing everything to be good parents, I think we had very different views of what my life was supposed to look like. And I'd say that started at a very early age. So having that, you know, a strong mom coming at me in a way that made my soul feel squashed, my inner fire like came back out her at her all the time. And that You know, as uncomfortable and sucky it was for both of us, that did garner bravery in me because I had a chance to express myself. Sometimes I successfully, sometimes unsuccessfully, but you know, it it builds up the muscle of 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 a fighter. Mm, I love that. I love that because, again,
1: you've you've really experienced a lot of things. You know in, you know, moving to Italy at a young age and all those kinds of things, which we'll get to. But I, you know, I'm always fascinated by that because you are like so incredibly independent and it really does come through in every conversation and everything that you do and how you present yourself. So I get it now, okay? So where did your love
0: for food come from? (laughs) That might've been also something I was born with. You know, I grew up in a house. The joke is I grew up in a house where no one cooked and that the kitchen was the only place in the house my mother couldn't find me. So, you know, the kitchen was a place that I could play. And my mom was not a cook at all. She thought that cooking was like anti-feminist and she wanted strong, feminist, career-driven daughters So I would go into the kitchen to play, and I would just enjoy that experimentation of watching cheese melt on top of a tortilla in the toaster oven. That was fascinating to me. As a teenager, I actually had a really unhealthy relationship with food. I probably had an undiagnosed eating disorder of just overeating, eating my emotions. And so I did not have a healthy relationship with food. I thought food was the enemy, and yet I couldn't control myself from eating it. So when I moved to Italy, when I was 20 years old, I, in my head, was like, that is it. Like, I am shifting this. And I decided that I was going to taste everything, really, really, really taste all the food. So if I was given a salad that had some gorgonzola and a walnut, radicchio, I, I first picked up just a little bit of the gorgonzola and I let it go all over my tongue. You know, oh, this is what gorgonzola tastes like. This is what a walnut is. Because like, before I would just shove it all in my face. So that was my way of healing my relationship with food was really tasting it. And when I was in Italy, I went there, you know, without, I was 20 years old. I was still in college. I mean, but I took time off of college. I went without my parents' money. I had money saved up for my bat mitzvah and from working for my dad one summer. So let's just say I was on a budget. So cooking was like a huge part of the way that I was able to support myself. You know, I was working in bars, but I wasn't earning a lot of money. I cooked and I was living with a bunch of Europeans. So I was learning from them. I was learning from the Italians. It just was a natural thing, this cooking. And it was just healing for me. Like, I didn't feel like, oh my God, I have to eat all the food right away because it's going to be taken away from me. It shifted into, I can make this delicious food whenever I want. I am, it kind of gave me some control back. Like I'm the one shopping and deciding how much of this goes in there. So that's really where my love of cooking came from. I mean, I will still say I love food, but I'm not the foodie that wants to go eat at all the restaurants. I'm more the foodie that wants to go eat at people's grandmother's houses. You know, I love that. I think
1: we're a lot alike in that way. Cause I definitely prefer a home cooked meal than eating out. And this last year has you know, amplified that, of course. And so now I really appreciate going out, you know, where I didn't before because it's like a luxury now, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's just really nice to not have to do the dishes, you know? Yeah. And it's so like being an outfit. That is exactly what it is for me right now. I was going, meeting a couple friends from high school a couple weeks ago. And one of them recommended this place where you like go up and you pick your food. And I was like, uh, if I'm going out, I'm going to be served, you know, so it's like, that's (laughs) my mantra right now. Okay, so that's awesome. I love that story. I love how you said you took the control back. That's really interesting. Love that. You said something else that that I'm going to, that's going to come back to me that really sat with me. Okay, so you mentioned that you've taught cooking and for years you taught private cooking classes, which was just a conversation that you and I had on the beach 11 years ago when we first met it wasn't a reality yet but you fostered that idea and that vision and you made it a reality very quickly after we came back and and you did it in a very unique way like you infused or merged what you learned in Italy with your roots which I find which I love and then you know after doing that for a while you decided to take all the stuff you've taught and learned and write this beautiful cookbook, not just a cookbook, because I think another place where you and I really get along is in those details, like the details of your cookbook from the cover to the ribbon to just all of it.
0: But you wrote a cookbook, Meal on a Spiel. So talk about that. Meal on a Spiel actually, I would say, started when I left college to go to Italy. I did it because I had an epiphany on a one time mushroom trip, which I heard a voice say to me that I needed to go off into the world to learn about life and love and write about it, okay? I was not a writing student. I was more mathematically and scientifically oriented. Anyway, I won't get into the whole story of this, but basically, the next day, an opportunity for to go to Italy appeared on my doorstep. I didn't write a book when I was there. I just fell in love with cooking, as I just described, but when I started this cooking school. And I decided that I needed a name for it while I was looking for a name. And when I was a kid, I used to read this rhyming dictionary that I had. So I was like, always up at night, like looking at rhyming words. So I was like, okay, what rhymes with food? Food, mood. No, okay, nothing there. Meal. What rhymes with meal? Meal, meal, and a, you know, feel meal, meal, and a spiel. And I, I laughed out loud and I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to give me the opportunity not just to give recipes, but to actually write about life like I had been called and been wanting to do. Now, that was at that point 15 years ago. I can write, put a recipe on there, but I'm giving myself permission to write about whatever I want, whatever I think the world needs to hear.
1: Love it.
0: And so actually, while I was teaching cooking for 10 years, people would come to class and they would get these spiels before every recipe granted once i got in there for a few years i got so busy developing recipes the spiels slowed themselves down but i had been working on this book for you know 8 years at least before that it came out and i wasn't exactly sure what it was going to be because i have you know i don't just do italian cooking i do a lot of healthy cooking as well i healthify italian recipes I do Jewish cooking, but I also do healthy Thai and healthy Mexican and healthy Indian and Israeli and, you know, all of those, a lot of different types of things. So what was I going to include? took me a while to realize that meal and a Spiel was going to be the story of an adventurous Jewish girl who went to Italy and came back and taught her community to cook. So in this funny Jewish title, the recipes are Italian with healthy California influences but really, the goal is to turn people into intuitive cooks. Like, I don't need people married to the recipe. I don't want people relying on me for the rest of my life. Like, everybody has the opportunity to become a badass in the kitchen, to really feel empowered in the kitchen, to have joy, to feel the sexiness of it, and to be able to open their fridge and make something amazing from there, also because they know how to stock their fridge in their pantry, correctly. I
1: love that. And- I think also what fascinates me about you when we have, you know, our private conversations or when we, when we're together is that you also know a lot about food and healing and how to bring that into someone's life. It's, you're not just teaching a recipe you're teaching health lifestyle, and you know, a lot about, you know, what foods are healing. And so again, I think that makes you very, very unique and, Again, I've always seen you as using food to heal and nurture through these classes. And I want to talk about that a little bit. But the second part of this is, you know, you've recently pivoted into a new way of healing. And I think what I want to know is when that pivot, like what was that moment, that pivotal moment that led you to tapping into this new space that you're in? And it's not like a totally new space for you but it's a new space as a teacher and as an educator and as somebody who loves information, you are now, you know, marrying food and this other part of healing together. But again, you've also educated yourself on how food heals. So was that just you
0: being curious and researching or? Yeah. So, I mean, let's just say that the curiosity came from need and desperation. So in my early 20s, when I got back from Italy, my body fell apart. Like I experienced exhaustion on such a deep, 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 profound level that it was honestly very, it was very depressing, very worrisome to be 23, 24 years old and 24 years old and like feel like you can barely make it through the day. So I know so much about the healing of food because I used it as medicine for myself. I had to cut out a lots of ingredients and then I had just learned to cook with those ingredients that I could use. So on top of that, and that did not something that lasted 20, just those two years. I mean, I've been on a 20 year healing journey of making my body stronger and moving through depression, you know, and they're linked. And they're linked. Yeah. And it's a big topic in and of itself. But, you know, depression is something that has run in my family for I don't know how many generations. So I probably wasn't someone that people thought I was depressed because I have a vibrant personality and I'm funny, but I was suffering, you know, really had a hard time. And my body issues were a huge part of that because if you don't have the energy to really move, you don't feel good. Right. So you asked me like what is, you know, this shift, because I've been very dedicated to my exploration of plant medicines in the past couple of years. And I am in the process of writing a book called Jewish Girls' Guide to Ayahuasca, which will probably take years for me to complete, I'll be honest with you. And I'm creating this Healing Retreat Center. So it, in one sense, it's not new, but yes, the plant medicines is new. And what brought me to that? Well, like I said, desperation. You know, for about eight years, I used antidepressants because I like couldn't take it anymore. The one thing I hadn't tried, I did all these natural healing modalities. The one thing I hadn't done is go to a psychiatrist. So I was like, fuck it. Like, honestly, if this is because if I need to go to a psychiatrist, like I'll do anything at this point. So I did. Now, the antidepressants gave me something to stand on. And as soon as I started the antidepressants is when I started Meal and a Spiel, this cooking school. And so that's healthy. That's actually what antidepressants are good for. They can help you create stability in your life so that then you have something to stand on if you want to go off of them. Now, going off of them is extremely difficult. And I decided to go off of them in the middle of writing Meal and a Spiel, the book. Because I knew that like nothing could stop me from writing this book. So there was no way that like as painful as because it's excruciating to go from being on meds to not being on meds. Like I was going to make it through to the other side. I had this book to carry me. And about nine months later, after going off antidepressants, really being in my therapist's office, crying, you know, being like, I don't think I can handle it anymore. Like, I think I got to go back on the antidepressants. She reminded me, she says, aren't you supposed to be using ayahuasca in a month? Like, isn't didn't you sign up for that? I said, yeah, I don't think I can make it another month. You know, she was like, uh, "I, you can do anything for a month. That's a good therapist. It's very, very good therapist. And... So I went and I used ayahuasca. I did three nights of ayahuasca. And listen, ayahuasca is not a magic pill. But what she showed me was she showed me what it was I needed to work on. She showed me that the, one of the first things she told me is that I had PTSD in my nervous system from an early childhood accident as a toddler. And that was creating so much sensitivity in my body. That's why I would become so sensitive and had so many allergies and why my body was really having a hard time getting really strong, but she wanted to work on my nervous system with me. And as I continued to use her, you know, I also saw, she showed me that I asked her one time, a different time, what is it? Why was my health? Why I... I what is it that I need? Like, why is my health not as strong as I want it to be? Granted, it is way stronger than it was, you know, twenty years before. But still, what is it? And she said to me, she says it's because you've had a broken heart. Mm. And I know, uh, brings tears to my eyes. And it was the best oh. she said that to me, and I understood that she wasn't just referring to all of the the, the romantic heartbreak that I had had. And actually, that my body had broken apart after a very big romantic heartbreak, but actually the heartbreaks that I had experienced as a child. And that those that my heart needed to be opened and healed, and acceptance of the dark that is in me, you know, that's in everybody, and to integrate that with the light. And as I've been working with my body has been healing. And another thing I'll just say that she shows me and that the plantmates have shown me is that. I'm not just carrying trauma from my life. I am carrying, like all of us are carrying, trauma from my ancestors. You know, when I was in my mother's womb, that's when her father discovered that all of his family was murdered in Poland. So, you know, that is felt by a fetus. Um, That's felt by my mother. That was felt inside my mother, who was raising me when I was a child. You know, that's an example, but we're all carrying ancestral trauma and the plants are incredible at moving it out of us, at rewiring us. So the reason my book is called The Jewish Girl's Guide to Ayahuasca is one, yeah, you don't usually expect a Jewish girl's guide to that. You expect a Jewish girl's guide to Madison Avenue, a Jewish girl's guide to the best law schools in America, the Jewish girl's guide to the most fabulous wedding in the world, you know, a Jewish girl's guide to, you know, feminism, but not to ayahuasca. And also- Because it's honesty. You know, it's all about because the other stuff is superficial. Well, I would go law school, feminism, you know, not necessarily Jewish girls are smart, you know, or we're smart, but it's this surrender. The plant medicines require surrender. And that is something Jewish women are not good at doing. And honestly, thank God we weren't good at surrendering because we wouldn't be alive. We wouldn't be here. Our people wouldn't be here if Jewish women rolled over easily. But now, at least in the United States, mostly, we're in a safe space. Many of us have the opportunity to learn how to surrender to the divine, to the plants, to, the, you know, to our spirits, to the soul life, if we choose. And the ancestral legacy part is a huge part of the work that I do, that I want to bring on my property here, that I'm going to write about in my book.
1: So how were you, like your therapist knew you were going in 30 days to experience ayahuasca. How were you first introduced to it? Like, where did that introduction come
0: from? I had a few friends bring it up and mention it. Like, that's what happens. If the medicine's supposed to come to you, like it finds its way. So I had a friend mention it and then another friend. And then a third friend of mine who is a, a law professor at a top university on the East Coast Said to me in a very casual way, Are you drink well? Are you drinking ayahuasca? And I was like, No, as if everybody drinks ayahuasca. And she says, Well, well, and I, and I looked at her and I saw the way her life had been shifting in the last couple the last few years. And she's a really solid person, a really kind person, a really empathic person. And so when I got to the point of getting off the antidepressants and I was like, I am desperate, I called her. And I said, can you take me with you to your retreat? Because they don't let you just show up alone. You have to come with your friend that already knows them. Can you take me with you, please? And if it's not the right time, can you beg them to have me? She said, oh, that's very interesting. Just yesterday, I signed up for a retreat there. It's a three-day retreat over Spring Equinox would you like to come? And sure enough, I was going to be, it was on the East Coast. I was going to be on the East Coast anyway at that time. So it just happened. That's the way that it happened. And then after that, I had to find my way into you know other paths. Ayahuasca herself, and I knew it really, I, I needed to take, use ayahuasca very gently at first because I had really sensitive nervous system. So she said, listen, I want you to drink me in small doses many times. So then I had to go find somebody closer to home that was willing to give me small doses that wasn't going to be giving me ego doses that would be oh no I know what's best for you that was like absolutely you could be gentle with us and I and I've pretty much work with women so is that where the microdosing comes in that you've talked about with me Well microdosing yes I mean microdosing ayahuasca it's not that I microdosed ayahuasca I did smaller doses of ayahuasca when we talk about microdosing you can microdose ayahuasca. It's not an easy thing to microdose. It's, we're usually talking about mushrooms. People microdose LSD, but I'm, I'm all about the plants. So you can use like small amounts of mushrooms almost daily to help lift depression, to help unwind your nervous system, to lift spirits, to make you more focused, more creative, more in your heart. Yeah, I know. Sign you sign everyone up, right? Sometimes you'll feel it on the first day. Sometimes, you know, it's something that happens over months. So I'm a huge fan of microdosing. I also am a huge fan of macrodosing. I think if you really want to get to the core of your issues and like really clean them out, really face, you know, let your bravery come through, then Doing larger doses of medicines is good, but only in a safe way with people that you deeply trust and when you feel ready. Mm-hmm.
1: So let's talk about your move during the pandemic because again, like you know again, i I do see you as as a girl, human, woman, you know, however you want me to identify you as somebody who is just always in the right place at the right time, and the fact that you called your friend and said, give me some info. And she had just gotten an email the day before. Again, you're always in the right place at the right time. And you had mentioned to me in a conversation recently, you were, you know, not fantasizing, but you were almost like intentionally thinking about how you really wanted to possibly move or move to the desert. And then boom, you know, you go with a friend and uh, you found a property. I mean, it's like, everything is just I don't want to say it comes easy to you because nothing comes easy to anybody, but you are just like the universe is just pushing you along in the most you know beautiful way. So, and I know your motivation and your intention for this space that you're now on is to have it be a healing center combined with food and all that good stuff. And I want you to talk about how you found that space and what was the intention of it when you were thinking about it and also the name has a lot of relevance. So do you want to talk about that? Because I'm going to be the first one signed up to go. And so, you know, and I think I know a lot of people who are going to want to do it as well. So talk about that vision.
0: Well, I love that you think I'm always in the right place at the right time. I would not say that has always been true. And yet at the same time, so much magic has unfolded in my life. And there's been years when the magic has not unfolded in my life, believe me. So when I look back at when does the magic unfold and when does the magic not unfold? It's really in that place of like heart trust, you know, just like being centered in your heart and being open to what comes your way, even when it may not look exactly the way that you want it to look and not trying to control the outcome. So, you know, when I was living in Italy over 20 years ago, I had this vision for I wanted a retreat center. Now, I didn't know what it was going to be. You know, I figured people will come on retreats, will cook, will go visit other cooking things. I mean, I wasn't even in food yet. I don't know. People would just be in Italy and enjoy la dolce vita. Didn't happen there. I realized years ago it was not the right. It was too complicated to make things happen in Italy. And then I was looking up in Northern California. It didn't work out there either. So, yes, in the middle of COVID, a friend of mine saw a post on Facebook that there was a house for sale in Joshua Tree. And without her ever knowing about this sort of inner heart dream of mine to have a retreat center, it was a heart dream. I wasn't actively trying to make it happen. I just kept it in my heart as it was what my heart wanted. See, when your heart wants something, not your brain, That's when the magic unfolds. So she sends this to me. She says, "Elana, I don't know. This is so crazy, but I just got a hit. I was supposed to send this to you." So we get in the car. We drive to go see it. Sure enough, it's not the place for me, but it brought me out to the desert. Now I've come into Joshua Tree since I was 18 years old. I love it out here. I never thought I'd have a center out here. And then a friend of mine, I have a real estate agent who's a friend out there. Why don't you just give him a call? I said, "Okay, I'll give him a call." And in the meantime, I start looking online, and sure enough, I found this house we i we set up a time to come look at a bunch of houses. The first one we come to look at is this one I'm at right now. And as soon as I step foot out of the car, going to say hello to this real estate agent that I've never met face to face, a hawk flies over the mountain, does a circle and goes back out. And I said, "Is that a hawk?" And he was like, "Yeah, that's a hawk." And I was like, "Oh, shit." Because I have been the hawks have been coming to me for, i had been coming for like several years. I didn't know what to difference between a hawk and an eagle, okay? I knew nothing of hawks, but I had a baby hawk stay with me for 10 minutes a couple of years earlier. I had done a mushroom journey the whole time, four hours. I'm like, oh my God, I'm a hawk. Oh my God, I'm a hawk. I mean, I couldn't have invented this, believe me. I would have told you I'm a golden retriever, not a hawk. And so the name of this place is Hawk Medicine Ranch. And yeah, I can tell you that I am supposed to be here because I've come up with some other like maybe issues and the issues all resolving, all resolving in my favor. And so it really feels like this is the right place for me, you know, and the vision that I have is actually is continually being developed, but so much of it is developed Based on the land itself. So, for example, you know, a friend of mine was here helping me set up and she suggested, you it know, it'd be really great to have like an outdoor, like amphitheater, like botanic, like a teatro botanico in the land. Okay, let's go out and see where we can find. Sure enough, there's a circle on the land with a huge boulder right where the stage would be. And then I started, you know, I used to do stand up comedy. I gave it a shot as an actor. I know how important voicing yourself in front of other people with the potential of making a fool out of yourself is important for breaking through barriers within. So I've began to see wow, this Teatro Botanico is a place for people to voice themselves as well, to stand up and say to other human beings and to the universe who they are and what they want and what their hearts desire, because that's how things become true. The motto of Hawk Medicine Ranch is dreams come true. and I'll tell you a dream. I had a dream that my neighbor was going to leave me her horses and that she was moving. Sure enough, the next day she told me she was leaving. The horses are not yet on my property. It's still in consideration. So anyone listening to this, say a little prayer, because I would love to have these three horses and donkey on my property. (laughs) The dream may come true. So yeah. So there's a barn on my property that, okay, that we're going to turn that into a ceremony space and there's room for a kitchen. Like, Okay, we're going to have to cook as well. I've got a lot of land in front of me that's like almost unbuildable, but there's space for a little meditation hut, a place for someone to go and be quiet. So it's really, you know, I'm just being open. I would not, people 10 years, seven years ago, a friend of mine was like, Yvonne, you should come to Joshua Tree and live here. I was like, I'm not going to Joshua Tree. It's too hot. I can't grow food. You know, i everyone's in the desert. I just was like a no, you know, and then it came to me. So. Yeah, you've got to just be open and not force things.
1: So you have a lot of dreams and ideas for this space and this 11 acres and bringing other healers in and doing these retreats and these workshops. I don't think that you're a full-on planner. I think you're a dreamer where you make dreams come true. But with that said, do you have like a two to five-year
0: plan for this outcome? I would say... That my two to five year plan is that this place gets built. You know, at first, when I got here, I was like, I'm gonna make make it happen fast. I wanna design it, I wanna get it down. We gotta make it happen fast, fast, fast. And the reality is, I'm out in the wild west, nothing is fast. And I, you know, I need to be on the land to know what this place needs. Mm -hmm. So, and getting permits out here in San Bernardino County, believe me, this, this is not fast. So, We've already been doing ceremonies on the property, but, you know, I'd say the two-year plan is to have it built. And in the meantime, I'm connecting with extraordinary healers of all kinds. And, you know, it's just the, the seeds are getting planted. So right now, it's really about seed planting time. And it, this cannot be built with the masculine yang of like, I'm going to make it happen and then I'm going to promote myself. No, this is just planting seeds. And if you build it, they will come.
1: Mm, I love it. I love it. So, so with that said, I know you want to bring cooking as part of the healing journey into this Hawk Medicine Ranch. Medicine Ranch. Okay, ding dong. Okay, <laughs> I should know that. So, cooking is now really for you personally. You don't teach or. Anything like that. I'm not anymore. teaching
0: right now. I need to take some time to like really integrate that whole experience I just told you about. I mean, basically I like delivered a book and like carried myself out of like a lifelong you yeah. know, depression all at once. So this has just been a super healing time for me. No, I mean it's not just me cooking here, like other people are gonna be cooking here. We're gonna be teaching cooking. It's just that that I want that to be integrated with other things. So the future is Definitely outlined.
1: You know, you got your roadmap in your head and in your heart. So what does today or next week, what do you what are you doing right now? Is it where are you at?
0: Right now I'm in design phase for the house. So, and we're not actually in the design phase for the actual structures. We're in the design phase of the land. Because again, this is not Los Angeles. Like I happen to have city water on my house, but you know, several acres over, like I may need a well, you know, we need to bring electricity in, like it's all on septic tanks here. Like, so there's, that's the plan I'm in right now is really understanding how this land works and what would need to go where. And then, you know, I'm also, I'm in my space, you know, I'm really growing myself. And that is as important as any other part of that project. Because if I'm gonna be holding space for people to come do healing, I need to be in a strong open space where I can care hold the container for others to come and do their work. Mm, I'm so excited. it's really
1: amazing. and when I first saw the transition or the announcement you know on social media, of course, because you and I've been in touch over the years and we've you know had lunch and talked you know stayed in touch. But when I first saw it, it just hit me like, oh, it was like this amazing, like the birds were singing and it was just, I felt this magic and I think I DM'd you like immediately or whatever, but it's, it's really exciting what you're doing. And, and I think what's most exciting about it, not that it's, you know, it is what it is, but that you're doing it, you know, and I, I talked to a lot of women in my business, you know, as a business strategist, right. And a lot of women our age and that fear, that doubt is so prevalent that breaking through that doubt is sometimes impossible, but you don't have the doubt. You simply have the, you, you cast the vision.
0: Well, I was just going to say, you know, the one point that I didn't make is that actually before this magic of Hawk Medicine Ranch happened, I was pushing hardcore to continue to get my book out there. Okay. So I've been promoting it and then I got a distribution deal. I'm promoting it more and promotion more and more, 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 more. And I hit wall after wall after wall after wall after wall after wall. You would think at that point I would surrender. No, Jewish women don't surrender. I kept going and after wall after wall after wall. Until finally I was like, all right, I gotta let go. This <laughs> book is gonna have to have a life of its own. And once I let go, this came to be. So it's like the fear gets us, but sometimes we also just have to let go.
1: Yeah, I had an experience like that right before COVID hit. I was gifted, taken with a girlfriend of mine to Baja, to a whale reserve, to witness the whales breed and mate. And I had that moment the last day on the boat of just trusting and surrendering. And it takes a while for us to get to that place. And before I let you add whatever the heck you want to add, I want to just bring up one other topic, because I really do love and embrace and I admire the way you really hold on to being a Jewish woman in today's society. You really do bring that into all threads of your life. You know, first, it was the cooking, even though you really learned how to cook in Italy. You brought it back here to your community and you really highlighted, you know, there's a lot of intonation in your cooking and in your book and in your classes about Jewish women. And now you're bringing it into this whole new sphere and this pivot of the Jewish girl's guide to ayahuasca. So I just want to talk about like that ownership of that and that feeling super comfortable about sitting in that. Because look, we are, you know, unfortunately, you know, really up until a couple of years ago, I really thought we were a little bit more tolerant. Country, and that's definitely you know not maybe the case. So I love that you again bravery, you know, and ownership. So I would love for you to talk about that a little bit.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. When I was a kid, I was so annoyed that I was Jewish because I have to go to Hebrew school three times a week. It was like it was just was like God, you know, it was a real pain in the butt. When I went to Italy, and the first time I walked through the Jewish ghetto. There's Roman columns and a Roman amphitheater right there in the Jewish ghetto, Cattro Barcello, for those of you who have been there. And I was so taken by these columns and this theater. And then I had a thought. I was like, wait a second. My people are older than this. And that really hit me strong. I was like, wow, there must be something really amazing about our people that maybe I haven't been taught yet. But, you know, or maybe I was taught in certain ways. But not really. And I really felt that. And then my Italian friends were always very curious that I was Jewish. They were like, it was almost like I was exotic. And growing up in West LA, I didn't know it was exotic. So I had this feeling of like we are unique, you know? And I don't think I can separate myself from being Jewish. I saw this beautiful quote in a book that I read years ago by I can't remember the name of it, but the author was Elaine Elkin. He is an Italian Jew. And the quote is this. If you are Jewish, an artist, an Italian, or gay, you can run from any of those identities as hard and far as you want, but you will never be able to escape them. Those are Jewish, Italian, being an artist, or being gay. Hmm very strong sentiment. And, and I feel that, you know, I mean, just even the way I process things in humor, like I always have, I don't know that that's just my personality that is like in my genes, you know, I relax, listen to comedy. Like I can fall asleep watching South park. Cause that's like, I, I like, that's where I'm at. So yeah. And I know and I'm, I was a history teacher and I have two degrees have an undergraduate and graduate degree in Jewish, Italian history and culture. I'm very aware that people don't like us all over the world. And I'm very aware of how much suffering we have gone through. I don't know. I just also think we're amazing. I do too. You're an old soul. (laughs) Very old soul. I
1: I love it so much. Anything else you want to add that I didn't ask or you want to touch upon or... Because there's so much here. We may have to do this again. Yeah, no,
0: there is so much. I'll just add one thing to the last thing I was saying is I'm reading a book right now about the shamanism in Jewish culture. And I haven't gotten into it enough to speak a lot, but I would say that I really do think, and this is what I've been learning from the plants, that the spirit, the, the Jewish spirit the soul of the Jewish woman is very different than what we've seen in the last 2000 years. It's been very, and we've been very influenced by the middle ages, by Christianity. Like there's a soulful Jewish spirit that is very connected to the earth. And that's really, and a really, and a strength that we're not always given credit for. A lot of strength, a lot of beauty. And that's what I want to explore. And that's what I want to share amazing. Amazing.
1: Okay. So the next set of questions are kind of silly. It's kind of like we all want to know, but it's kind of like speed dating. So it's like really quick off the top of your head, kind of bada bada. And you being a comedian, you know, (laughs) I think that this will be super fun. Okay. Ready?
0: Yep. What vice has gotten you through quarantine? Oh gosh. Well, I don't know if this is a vice, but cacao, I drink cacao every morning. That is like literally gotten me through quarantine.
1: Oh you'll tell me about that. Okay. Are you an AM or PM person?
0: Oh, I was always a PM person, always 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 since I moved to the desert I'm now AM.
1: The as light. soon as I go back to LA, AM PM again. Yeah. Oh wow, that's it. so you're like a bat. You're a chameleon. Yeah. Okay, so I think I know the answer to this, but savory or sweet? Savory. What would be the one thing you could eat every day for the rest
0: of your life? If I didn't if it didn't affect the way my body felt, I would eat seafood pasta. <laughs>
1: That's a good one. What is the last show you binge or streamed?
0: I watched uh, Call My Agent, the French show on Netflix. It's fun. I've watched an episode of that. It's okay, really have, it's fun. It's I'll great. have to circle back to it. Okay. Who inspires you? You know, I'll tell you my number one inspiration. My number one inspiration as a woman in this world is Meryl Streep. Mm. Because she is able to access every way of being human she can go into any tunnel any alleyway any capillary of ex- of the human experience and then bring it forward and share that
1: i love that that's a good one okay as a healer and a creative what do you want to best be known for
0: for helping people heal- Helping people empower themselves.
1: Hmm, I love that. Okay, what would you say has been the pivot that has most impacted your life?
0: Probably the 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 a huge one is that when I was twenty, I decided to leave college and go to Italy. That's maybe strength. It gave me strength and it just, even coming back and creating this healing retreat center, it's just like, we're going to have a lot of dolce vita here. You know, it's like, we're definitely bringing in the Italian medicine. There's a lot of medicine in that. So I would say that was probably a, yeah, a huge pivot for me that changed the course of my life.
1: Yeah. I think it also showed you, and I could be wrong, but it showed you that yes, you can.
0: Yes, you can.
1: Yeah. can, yeah. 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 That's awesome. You're awesome. I'm so glad you're my friend. Do you have anything else you want to say?
0: No, that is such a nice interview. It's really lovely to be here with you. And thank you for your thoughtful, deep and provocative questions.
1: It's really fun doing this work. I mean, I love doing my work with my girls, you know, and, and my clients. And now my groups, but I'm really loving this because I'm a curious cat and I ask a lot of questions, and this gives me permission, yeah, to ask those questions. So thank you. And where can people find you? Like I know you have your website, and it is geared toward cooking, and I'm sure you're working on, yeah, that energy. But like, t- tell them where you can find. We're also going to put it in the show notes with links. We do you want people to hang out with you?
0: Okay. Join me on Instagram at Ilana Horwich, E L A N A H O R W I C H. You know, know that I'm in a place right now of like being on my own retreat a little bit, but just hang out there. The information is going to be coming. Um, if you would like to get on the mailing list to find out about retreats that are going to be coming here, join my mailing list. You can do that at ilanahorwich.com. If you are specifically interested in learning about plant medicine, do a little leg work, find my email, you'll find it and send or me. Or they can DM you on Instagram, yeah. right? Yeah. They, yeah. I'm yeah. findable. Just reach out yeah. to them, speak to me privately. Yeah.
1: And you're very thoughtful and deep on Instagram. Like I love your Instagram because you, you're you not just, it's not, it's not just about your high, highlights, which I don't look at people who just expose their highlights. You really deep there and you're really talking about your experiences. And again, that's how I saw your pivot from, there to hear. And I now I'm just, you know, I read every word you write. And you're actually a beautiful writer. Thank you. So yeah, find her on Instagram and we'll put it in the show notes. And this was incredibly awesome and enlightening. And we got to talk further about microdosing.
0: <laughs> I could do a whole other show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. So fun.
1: Are you as curious about microdosing as I am? I can't wait to get my first shipment between you and I. We might have to do another episode with her just on that alone. The plans Alana has for her ranch and her future are way too cool. And just so you know, I'm the first on her wait list. If you want to join me on that journey, check out the show notes to find out more. I'm confident that you will feel instantly connected to her and find her as intriguing as I do. The biggest message I want you to take away today is that it's okay to put yourself first. When you start accepting and embracing that your wants, desires, and dreams do matter, everyone around you will follow suit. And if you're a mother, you're the role model. And what better way for you to show your offspring who they can ultimately become than by teaching by doing? I'm on a mission to disrupt the POV of women while teaching them how to tap into the resources they already have so they can remember what it's like to be in love with themselves. Thanks for stopping by today. If you have a question, drop it in the comments or find me on Instagram and slide into my DMs. And if you're ready to pivot, I've got a free resource you can download today to start moving you in the direction of where you want to go. You can find all the links in the show notes. See you next week.